Hey, welcome to church. My name is Mark. Uh, I'm the minister here, the rector, and it's just great to see you and uh, to worship with you. And thank you for everyone who's put the service on so far, the musicians and Jono leading and those prayers and Bible reading. Thanks, guys. And thanks for coming because here's the thing about church. Uh, it's a lot better when there are people there. And um, I'm excited about what we're going to do tonight. I'm excited about this sermon series we're in, this teaching series looking at um, Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' plan for a great life. And what we do as a church is, is really very simple. We help people like us connect with God, and we help people like us learn to live a great life from Jesus, to live a Jesus-shaped life in every part of our existence. And uh, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount to help us with this. And um, I, hope, I hope you've had a great week following Jesus. I really do. No matter, or or if, you're, if you're not sure about the whole Jesus thing, I just hope it's been a great week anyway. Uh, uh, one of the questions John, I should have asked you as a sort of icebreaker is, um, you know, how's your sex life been this week? Uh, following on from the sermon last week, that would have been funny. Um, but uh, that's what we looked at last week, and I hope it was helpful. And if you aren't sure what uh, all that is about, go online and listen. And we've uh, been tracking through some really practical things in life. And uh, I thought about this series so far, and I thought this picture really summarizes things. And when you look at this picture, you'll learn uh, some very important things. Uh, firstly, you'll learn that I can't really draw, and that's not getting any better. Secondly, you'll learn my handwriting's terrible. But thirdly, you'll learn that this is an amazing plan for God's life. You see, uh, what we've been looking at is that on the right, you've got a, a, a green tree. And the green tree has its roots into the soil. And those roots are the roots of anger and contempt and lust. And when the roots of the tree are anger, contempt, and lust, above the line, what sort of fruit does the tree bear? Well, it bears the fruit of murder and adultery and divorce, as we looked at over the last few weeks, right? That's what happens. Uh, then, on the other hand, you've got the blue tree, and the, the roots of the blue tree are peace, respect, forgiveness, and purity. And when that's the root, that's the essence of the tree, then the fruit of that tree is love and whole relationships in every dimension. And if you recall, what God is interested in is, in the first instance, not the external appearances, but what's in our hearts. And what he wants to do is give you and me a new heart and then continue to renew our hearts to move us from being green trees to being blue trees, to take our hearts of stone and make them hearts of flesh. And I hope you've had a great week of living with a soft heart as a blue tree. And tonight what we're going to do is continue to think about that and we're going to apply this same framework that Jesus has unpacked for us in the area of our words and uh, that's very significant. Jesus indicates, uh, that wasn't what we were after, Jesus indicates that uh, our words are very powerful. So uh, I don't know if you know the old saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words shall never harm me. I mean, how many of you think that's true? It's absolute rubbish, isn't it? I don't know who made that up. It's like the world's least true aphorism. It's just dumb. I mean, when you think about it, most of the really profound hurts we experience in our life come through words, don't they? Uh, so when somebody says, I don't love you, or I, I really like you as a friend, <laughs> or 
uh, I've found somebody else. This marriage is over. Or um, maybe, maybe the words in your head from your parents, you're not enough. You're stupid. You're lazy. You're fat. You're ugly. You'll never amount to much. Incredibly powerful. I, uh, I remember talking to my mum. She was, oh gosh, what, she must have been 60. And uh, she remembered so clearly her mother saying to her, no man will ever find you attractive. And imagine a mother saying that to her daughter, right? Like, that's just weird. Now there was all kinds of, you know, they were under stress. It was the Holocaust and all this sort of weirdness. But I, but I thought that those words never leave you. And they, they, they break our hearts. Now, the flip, and, and Jesus knows this, right? He knows there's a way of using words that, that say these words actually come right out of the pit of hell, doesn't he? So look at this. Uh, he says this, right? Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So there are words that can be destructive of relationships, destructive of people, and they're so serious that Jesus says they come from the evil one. Now, of course, the wonderful flip side of that is words can, words can also be a source of everything good in our lives. I love you. You're enough. Will you marry me? I do. I will. I mean, that, words bring life, right? And uh, so what we've got to think about tonight is what are the sort of words that come straight out of the pit of hell that destroy us, and how do we avoid those, and how do we then use words that bring life? And that's very important because uh, presumably we all want to actually uh, live great lives and help others live great lives. So here's the context, right? And it's a little weird when you read this. You may not understand, uh, you may not understand it on the surface. Uh, Jesus lived in a time when telling oaths, promises, was, uh, was very common. And the book of Hebrews says it in Hebrews 6 that uh, an oath settles it. Once you, if you're in an argument with someone, or you want to get your way in an argument and have your will override the other person's will, if you, if you set an oath, I, I swear by the hair on my head that um, I'll pay you tomorrow. That was it. No argument could be entered into, right? Because you'd made an oath. Bang, that was done. Now, uh, what a bunch of legal, religious legal... Uh, people did was they then thought very carefully about this and they said ah but there's oaths and then there's oaths okay so the old testament forbid uh forbade the uh oaths being or didn't forbade but the the old testament uh said very clearly that when we took god's name in vain or swore by god we we, we had to obey it we had to keep our word so you shall not take the name of the lord your god in vain you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of the lord in leviticus when a man vows a vow to the lord he shall not break his word when you make a vow to the lord your god you shall not be slack to pay it okay so if you make an oath to win an argument or get your own way and you invoke the name of the lord then man you'd better do it so what do you think the religious scholars said? Aha! I can make an oath, and it can win the argument, and I can get my own way. But if I haven't technically used the name of Yahweh, God's name, then actually uh, it's not really sin if I change my mind later. 
And they're very clever lawyers, right, as lawyers even today are. They'll say, well, no, it wasn't, it's not really, not really mentioning God, so it's not that bad. Okay, so that's why Jesus says, no, 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 listen, whether you, whether you are uh, mentioning God directly or not, it doesn't matter. The point is this. He says, I tell you, don't swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, uh, for it's the great city of, king, of the great king, and don't swear by your head. Um, he says, no, don't do that. Because he, so what's so wrong? What's so wrong about these oaths that you make, but you give yourself a little bit of wiggle room to get out of them? Why are those so bad? Well, here's why they're bad. Because when you make an oath, you invoke an authority that overrides the other person's will and settles the matter. So I have my will that I want my will to be done. You have your will. And I don't respect you. And I don't love you. I want to get my way. So I settle the argument by making an oath. And I crush you. And I use my power and the invocation of the oath to settle it once and for all. I override the truth. I override your ability to choose and discern. And now you have to do what I say. And Jesus says that that's wrong. He says, don't do that. He says, uh, you, all you need to say is simply yes or no. What does he mean by that? Well, he says, a simple yes or no respects the integrity and the, the, the free will of the other person. So it respects that we're to choose and that the very essence of our humanity, the, the very thing that makes us different from other beings in this world is that we choose for reasons. And, and Jesus is saying, respect that. Appeal to people's reason. Simply say, this is the way it is. This isn't the way it is. Now you choose. And if you do anything else, what you're actually engaged in is a power play to override their will and crush them and have your own way. And that is a strategy straight out of hell. Right? Because it destroys people. Because think about it, right? How seriously... Does God himself take your ability to choose and to act for reasons? How seriously does he take it? On a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is God doesn't care about what you think or feel about a situation. He will make you do what he wants to do. And 10 is where God takes your will with the utmost seriousness so he limits what he'll do to give you space to choose, where would you, where do you think, where would you put sort of this, a, a one or on a scale of one to ten? I hear a ten. Whew. Seven. Zero. That wasn't an option, Jim, I, but you know, if that was you, I said, well, okay, zero. Fair enough. Less than one. Well, how about a Ten. Actually, if Jim went zero, I'll go 11. <laughs> but it's, it's nuanced. It's complicated, isn't it? Because at one level we go, God is still God. But yet, what is God? how does Jesus teach us to pray in the Lord's Prayer? 
says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what's the implication behind that? What's the implication behind that prayer? Sorry, that? Yeah, because God's will isn't being done here on earth at the moment. Yeah, so why is that? Because God respects our wills. And God treats us with the utmost respect. He's made us, uh, the Bible says, in his image. And he, he's made us to cooperate with him in the ruling of this world and in ways that are pretty amazing. He has, show, he has in, imbued us, given us so much dignity, and he takes it with such great seriousness that he is even prepared to let his will not be done in order that your will could be done. Now, that's amazing, right? And, of course, the path of true greatness in life is to get to the point where my will, where I will what God wills. And I only ever do what God wills, right? I don't just do what I want. I only do what God wants. And that's how his kingdom and his will is extended and done in the world. He fills the world with free beings who freely choose only ever to do what he wills. And so that's how his will is done on earth. Uh, and anything else is incredibly destructive and damaging, an oath is like weaponizing your words to overcome any resistance on the part of the other person and to crush them, right? And that's uh, exactly what God doesn't want us to do. Uh, he says, no, don't do that. In James, James's brother later goes on and says, above all my brothers and sisters, don't swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. No manipulation, no power plays, just here's the truth. Now you choose. You make a decision, right? Uh, make sense? Now, uh, that can be tricky. So uh, what is the clearest example of, God of how God communicates with us? What's the absolutely clearest example of God's communication with us? Sorry? The Bible? Yes, it's very clear. What else? It's, the Bible's good. It's a good start. So, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's a very good answer. Um, yeah, which, of which the, the Bible tells us about Jesus. But this is how God himself is described. The word, isn't that interesting? Jesus is God. God is described as a word. He gives himself to us in this word. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us, became like us, pitched his tent amongst us, took us with absolute seriousness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. And what was this word full of? Grace and truth. So how, instead of weaponizing your words with the artillery of oaths to overcome someone's will, to get what you want, God comes to us in a person full of grace and truth. Those are the kind of words that we're to use in the kingdom of God. And that'll come from our heart. Now, what's grace? Undeserved favor? Yeah. Yeah. 
God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a lovely acronym. Yeah, I remember learning that. Yeah. What else? What are some other ideas around grace? How about this? Grace is absolutely, is absolute unconditional acceptance. Completely unconditional. Grace is God coming to us and saying, hey, no matter what you do, there is nothing you can do that can make me love you any less or accept you any less. That's grace. Uh, there's a great, uh, a really wonderful guy in, in West Australia, an oncologist who got tired of telling, he'd, he'd tell all these guys, they'd come in in sort of middle age and they'd have cancer and you'd have to tell them they were going to die and they'd have like, you know, three months to live. And uh, they would all say the same thing. They'd basically be like, I just regret, you know, I regret if they had kids, I regret, you know, not spending more time with my kids. I regret the kind of dad I was. So he decided instead of waiting till the end of life to help these guys uh, deal with their fathering failures, he said, why don't we, why don't we help fathers deal with their fa start being better fathers? And, um, and he, he has a little acronym, and he says the first thing fathers have to do is be there. And so they're, they're running these fathering projects all around uh, the country. That, and I, I listened to this guy present. He says the second thing every father needs to say to their kids after you've been there is unconditional love, the technical, which is great. So he says, so he says what he, and we're in this big room, big group of uh, parents at, at the school at Saks, and, and this guy says, fathers, I want you to go home, and I want you to go to your children, and I want you to give them a hug, and I want you to look them in the eyes, and I want you to say this to them. Nothing you can do can ever make you love me any less. Can never make me love you any less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit Freudian. Oh, what would my therapist say about that? Um, there's nothing you can do that could make me love you any less. You know, you can come home pregnant. I won't love you any less. You can drop out of school. I won't love you any less. You can get arrested. I won't love you any less. You can end up on drugs. I won't love you any less. You can be an enormous success in life. I won't love you any less. You can get, you know, 45 in the IB, 99.95, had an amazing career. I won't love you any less. You can get hit by a motor vehicle and be brain damaged for the rest of your life. I won't love you any less. You need to go and say to your kids, I won't love you any less. Nothing, nothing that you can do can change my love for you. And that's, that's grace. That's how God speaks to us. God, Jesus is God coming and giving you a hug and looking you in the eyes and going, nothing, nothing, nothing you can do can change how much I love you. It's not just grace, is it? It's also truth. It's also truth. So what is truth? What is truth? I'll give you a simple definition. I use this all the time. I think it's very helpful. Truth is accuracy of representation. So a statement is true if it accurately represents underlying reality. So there's a whole philosophical understanding there of the way the world works. But I think it's the biblical understanding of truth. So, so what that means is when we speak to each other, and when God speaks to us, you see, he says, nothing about you will ever stop me loving you. But that doesn't mean I, see, I don't see what you're really like. 
I see. I know. I don't pretend. I don't deny. I don't minimize. When, Jesus, when God comes to us in Jesus Christ, he, he comes because he sees how much we need a Savior. He comes because he knows that we're selfish. He knows that our hearts are hard. And the word of grace is also a word of truth that says, uh, I love you so much that I had to die. Uh, I love, uh, you are so bad that I had to die, and I love you so much that I was glad to die. The truth is you're so bad. We're a mess. You tell the truth. Now, what does that mean in our relationships, right? Well, it means that our words to each other, if they're to be words of love that grow out of a deep experience of Christ ourselves, they're always going to be words that are wrapped of words of grace and truth. You see, uh, and that's hard, right? That's hard, man. Like truth, we don't like the truth. We don't like the truth. It's the old, I mean, I always use this to illustrate this, you know. It's like, well, what if you're, those of you are married, you know, what if your wife or your husband bought your wife's, maybe not your husband's bought a new dress, but say your wife's bought a new dress and goes, you know, brings it home and goes, oh, you know, d- d- does my bum look big in this? Does this make my bum look? Now, what do you do then? You know, Grace says, sweetheart, I will love you. No matter what size your dress or your bum, I love you. And that's great. And sometimes you say that. Truth might be, mm, going out in that might not be an edifying experience. Or maybe it will. And, and I mean, that's a really trivial, silly example. But, you know, it just shows it's really hard. Like, how do you know what to say? It's not easy. Uh, we're, and, and we're tempted at times to tell the truth without grace because we're angry or we're upset. Or, and sometimes we're tempted not to tell the truth at all. And we just want grace. Why? Because we're scared of conflict. You see, we withhold the truth from people. We don't tell it like it really is because uh, in the Christian community, we like sort of just the pretense that everyone gets along. And if I, if I tell you what I really see in you, you'll reject me. I learned this the hard way. Well, you would have thought I would have learned this, but I didn't. I had a very hard experience of this. Many years ago, when I was in high school, uh, I was a prefect. And in the school I went to in Cape Town, they took the whole prefect thing really seriously. In hindsight, it was a little weird. Um, like you could get kids caned. It was so much power, right? It was awesome. You just report them, and you were the disciplinarians in the school. But they had this prefect's retreat at the start of the year, and they had some teachers. They, they decided they were going to do this um, exercise where... <laughs> it's just really dumb. Everybody... We're, there's, I think there were 10 of us who were prefects, and we all had to, uh, at the end of the, the, the two-day retreat, write down on a piece of paper anonymously each other's strengths and weaknesses. So I'm, I was very earnest even back then, right? I also, um, b- because of my family of origin and the personality type, people are very transparent to me. Like I just, God has blessed me with the ability to really understand people's motives and I see through and I, it, it's just people are just a bit of a blank slate, which is, you know, both a blessing and a curse. Um, 
So there's me, start of year 12. Everyone's writing, and I'm like, oh, what a wonderful opportunity to really bless these people. So I'm writing down, well, you know, uh, Bobby Adshade, you know, you're, you're, you're really friendly and you're really great, but actually, you know, you're, you're pretty insecure, and that comes out because you just try too hard and your sense of humor is sometimes a little inappropriate, and if you just become a little more at peace with yourself, um, then I think your leadership would really be improved, right? And uh, so I... <laughs> You're all laughing. So I wrote this about everyone. I wrote comments like, because I just thought, man, this is great. Um, it's going to be awesome. We're going to get this amazing feedback, and we can really grow, and we can understand where we're all at, right? Uh, and so then we, they collate all the stuff, all the things, and you get all the things that everyone else has read to you. And I, I had this horrible sinking feeling as I started flicking through uh, you know, what other people have read, I, I thought, I've just missed, I thought, man, this is a stuff up. Because my things were like, oh, you know, Leech plays hockey, not rugby. This is his great weakness, you know. And it was just stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, crap, I've just totally done this deep sort of psychoanalytic, honest, truthful feedback about all my peers. And, of course, it took them like about 30 seconds to figure out who'd written that. And it made for a difficult year. So the truth can get you into trouble, right? <laughs> Enormous amounts of trouble. But you've got to tell it. You've got to be wrapped up in grace. And, and I think perhaps with my peers at school, they didn't quite get that what I was saying didn't mean I thought any less of them. I thought I was doing them all a favor. And I really wanted them to give me that kind of feedback myself. Instead, they all just ganged up on me and told me I was an arrogant beep. So truth is hard, right? And so we collude in lying. We build cultures that are passive-aggressive, and the truth leaks out elsewhere. We just pretend. Or we use truth to crush and hurt. And in the middle of that, Jesus comes and he says, no, full of grace and truth. And what would it be like for us to be a community? What would it be like for you to be a person in all, that all your words were full of grace and truth because your heart was full of love? Like, that would be cool. Okay. So now what I'm going to do is make it super practical. I'm going to give you ten ways to speak words that are full of grace and truth. And it's, uh, it's 10 steps. We'll post them later online. Here's the, here's the way. And I would say this is a checklist. When you are thinking about talking to somebody, and it could be your parents, could be... Uh... <laughs> Megan's just photographing that, sorry. Which is helpful. I find it very affirming when people take photos of the slides. Um, makes me feel like my life is worth something. Um, <laughs> Here's a checklist, and literally you can learn these skills uh, to speak words of grace and truth. So here's how it is. You, you've got a difficult conversation coming up. There's conflict. There's challenge. You're not sure what to do. First step, surrender your will to God's will. Why is that important? Because I'm going to get angry and frustrated and try and hurt you and crush you when I am convinced that my will must be done. I've got to do, I've got to get my way and you're in the way, so I'm going to get you, okay? 
But if it's God's will that must be done, I don't know what God's will is. It's certainly not always my will. So if you block my will, it's not the end of the world because really what I'm on about is God's will. So one, surrender your will to God's will. Have your Garden of Gethsemane moment. Uh, then check for planks. Okay, what do you reckon that refers to? Sorry? Planks and specks. Yep, exactly right. Jesus says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Before you get stuck into someone else and give them a truth bomb, brother, I just want to share some truth with you. Go spend some time in self-examination and like what's in it in what's what's here in my life right what's in my heart I mean, here's the thing right um in uh, in uh, aa in the recovery movement they tell you this uh, if you spot it you've got it if you see something if someone if you want to attack typically if you see something in someone else that you want to attack and criticize very often because it's lurking deep within you and you hate it about yourself and you see it in yourself. So, you know, uh, before you launch in, man, do some plank removal. Uh, very important. And then, then do spend some time thinking, is your heart at peace or at war with this other person? You see, it's all about the heart. This comes from a book called Leadership and Self-Deception by a uh, it's a phenomenal book, and he says, what you've got to know is at the core of your being, uh, are you actually setting out to crush or hurt or get your own way, or at the core of your being, is, it, is your heart full of peace? And oh my goodness, you can tell. If you can tell if your heart is at war with someone, the way you give them feedback, the way you give them raise issues, it'll leak out. And because you're out there to kill them, right? You're not out there to build them up. Is your heart at war? And then make a time to talk, like really practically. Don't just walk up to them and go, because that's what we do, right? You get really worked up and it's hard to have a hard conversation. And then they happen, you see them in the corridor, you see them at school, and it's like, well, out it all comes, right? It happens here at church all the time. If, if you, I've been 20 years running churches. Um, I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had where people who want to talk to me about something are often really heavy. And I'll have been preaching all day and I'm exhausted and someone will grab me after church and, and I'm like, man, it's really hard to hear that. Like, just go away, make a time to see me, tell me what it's about, figure out a time when you can work together, right? Uh, how much better would uh, it be if you found a good time to post that, you know, thing on social media about that friend of yours? Like, don't post it. Just wait. Maybe, maybe 2022 will be a good time to post it. Not now. So approach someone saying, well, could, could we make a time to talk about X, Y, or Z? And when would be a good time for you? And then say what you want. So, Because I, I tell you what we are very good at with our words. We're really good at saying what we don't want. You know, we're not that good at saying what we want. That's much harder to do. So... Um, uh, I don't know, you could, the, the example I normally use is, is a, in a family where maybe one of, one of you is working to, you know, maybe, maybe mum's always at work and dad goes to her and says, 
I don't want you working so hard. You're never here. And, and then mum goes, well, I don't know. I've just got to work and you're a lazy slob and don't do any work anyway, so I've got to earn the money. And don't you realize how hard it is? I'd much rather be home. And it doesn't help mum know what the husband wants. And so the husband should rather say, well, what do I want? What do I want? Well, I want you to be home Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays by 5.30 to help with dinner. Tuesdays and Thursdays, it doesn't matter when you come home, but Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, I'd love you home by 5.30, help with dinner, get the kids through, and then you can go back and do your emails for another hour or two after the kids are in bed. Like, really clear, what do you want? By the way, this helps with negotiating with your parents as well. Don't just tell them what you don't want them to do. Uh, these, are, we're, these are skills that are very useful for negotiating with um, parents and friends. Uh, very, very helpful. And then talk about just this one topic. Have you ever had a conversation with someone, maybe we'll go with the parent thing, where you start talking about one thing that you're upset about and then you end up talking about like 25 other things? Um, and, you know, so, um, you know, in our family, uh, or just imagine a family, it could go something like this, you know. Um, you know, Mark, uh, could, could, you just, could you just help out in the garden a little more? And I could be like, but I'm always, I, I'm going to help out in the garden. It's, I, I, you know, but, but you just, as soon as the grass is like a millimeter high, you want it mown. And like, I just think it should grow a little more. No, you really, you, why, do you always, why do you always resist what I've got to say? Why are you so lazy? You know, you've always been like this. And you know, last year when I asked you to do our taxes, uh, you hadn't done them. And then, you know, then we got fined. And, but hang on, I always do the taxes and it's not my fault that, you know, I don't earn any money and so I never think about it and you earn the money and it doesn't occur to me. But yes, yeah, so why didn't you earn any? Why did you give up medicine anyway? What a stupid idea that was. We could be living in luxury now if only you weren't such a super pious spiritual jerk. And you know, you're so inconsistent and such a hypocrite anyway. Well, I mean, what's the... So suddenly, you see what we've done? Now, that actually has never happened in our house. I'm just putting it... I was making all that. But you see what happens? You start with like, will you mow the lawn? And then what can happen is you end up fighting about everything else. Do you think the lawn would ever get mown in that scenario? Nah. You just storm off and go, okay, I'm going to pay someone to mow the lawn. Oliver, that's your job, thanks. Okay, um, talk about just this one topic. And listen with your head and your heart. So when you, when, you, when you come to someone to talk, and it's going to be a hard conversation, and maybe you're asking for something, uh, you know what hap what's really helpful is actually to listen, and to listen to what they're feeling. So, uh, you know, husband says to wife, I, would l I want you to come home from work a little sooner. And the wife could say something like, well, I, you know, I hear the fact that you want me to be at home and it must be hard that I work these long hours and you have to do all, so much by yourself. And that would be tough. Yeah, suddenly it changes the whole feel. And you can learn these skills, like actually to listen. Don't just talk. Listen really deeply to what other people are saying, including your parents. And listen for the feelings, not just the surface words. Uh, keep the problem the problem. So, um, you know, you've got an addict in the family. Uh, your kid's an addict. The answer, the way to talk about it is to say, you know, hey, Fred, uh, we've got a problem. And the problem, Fred, is that, you know, you're addicted to, to meth, right? You're addicted to ice. And that's what we've got to fight. And that must be horrible for you. It can't, can't be a great way to live. So, so how, how can, we, can we fight the addiction? 
rather than, Fred, you are a useless person. How many times have you tried to give up? Why can't you do that? What is wrong with you? He said, well, no, no, like, come on. The problem is not the person. The problem is the problem. Keep the problem the problem. Not the, don't make the person the problem. Um, take time out to cool down. You know, particularly helpful online, but helpful in real life as well. If you find yourself, even with your parents or your friends, getting into a spiral of conversation where the tempers, the voices are getting raised, the tempers are going up, you know you're going to say something unhelpful, just go, whoa, time out. Respectfully, you go, hey, I just, I actually need to stop this now and walk away so I can calm down. It's really helpful. Of course, you don't want to do that because it's kind of, um, it's kind of in us to just, kind of hit back. Someone hits you, you hit back, and so you, it just it escalates, right? So what you've got to learn is to de-escalate. Have, uh, incredibly helpful with your friends, right? Just step out. And online, you, I mean, how quickly do things escalate online, hey? Just back out. Just, just don't touch the keyboard. Get away. Step away from your phone, you know? You really don't need to respond. Um, and then work to compromise and cooperate because you're never going to get everything you want. Okay? It's never going to happen. Not even God gets everything he wants. So why should you think you will? <laughs> if you're going to work with other people, it involves compromise. Okay, so is uh, going to come. We're going to show you how this might work out. Okay. Yeah, jeez. We're going to give it a Red hot crack. We are. We are. We did it this morning as well. It was very uncomfortable. It was this, this morning? morning. It was pretty funny though. I thought it was funny, but extremely uncomfortable. The mums loved it. The mums loved it. Something about mums that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, the scenario is, uh, Mark is my dad. Surprise! No, Mark is <laughs> Mark is pretending to be my dad, and. Uh, He's, he's put a boundary in place that if I've not done my homework, I can't hang out with my friends, okay? So it's a Saturday. Yep. I want to hang out with my friends, but I've yep. not done my work, right? Uh, okay. okay. Happened to me all the time. We're going we're gonna to workshop this. Okay. So. And I'm here working away. I've got really important stuff to do at work. You know, I'm busy working. And working. I'm swiping right. Uh, Oi, Dad, can I... Oi, Dad, I'm going out. What? What, 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 what was that? Yeah, I'm going out. You're going out? When? Uh, going to uh, see a movie at three. Uh, have you done all your homework? Have you cleaned the house? Have you mowed no, the lawn? Have you fed the dog? Have you washed the dog? Have you done all the chores that you were supposed to do? No, I um, uh, homework's not due for uh, until Monday, so I'll just do it tomorrow, and that's fine. Don't, um, yeah, don't worry. That's no, fine. no, 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 it's not about not worrying. This is what we agreed. You can't do it. You can't go out until your homework's done, mate. Why are you doing this? Do you not want me to have any friends? Uh, well, you know, I understand that you're upset, but you can't go out till your homework's done. Dad, I know that you're a bit of a nerd at school, but I'm not as much of a nerd, and I'm 12 now, so I can actually go out and hang out with all of my friends. Yeah, uh, well, I, I understand that, uh, you know, not only you're not a nerd, but you're actually a little slow, so that's why you need to do more your homework, buddy. Until you've done your homework, you can't go out. We, we clarified this. I tell you, you don't go out, until you, and you're always like this. It's very annoying. Did you learn it from your mother? Sorry, can't come. Dad's being a jerk. 
eye okay, roll that's emoji. it. You are not going out again, ever again, until you are 18. That's it. You're grounded. You don't talk to me like that. Dad, just because you had unhealthy boundaries doesn't mean you have to set unhealthy boundaries. Can we call Sane? <laughs> okay. S- <laughs> it's deteriorating. It's a little disturbing, isn't it? Like, in, even in the... It's quite bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So that's an example of what? <coughs> How not to do it. What did, what did Jono do wrong in that situation? He didn't keep the problem the problem. Yeah, what else did he get horribly wrong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't make a time to talk. I was busy working away and he just interrupted and started talking. What else did he do wrong? Yeah, well, he just said what he was going to do, not what he wanted to do. Yeah, it's fairly clear, yeah. Okay, let's do it, let's do it in a helpful way. Okay? There's also no compromise at all from either of us. There, there was no compromise whatsoever. That's right. It es- and it escalated pretty quickly, and we kept going until you went, uh, you know. Like it, so we, deliber- we escalated it deliberately, and I started insulting his mother, and, you know. And Seems to be your default. <laughs> to insult your mother? We'll talk about this later. Let's yeah, okay. do the productive one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you keep working. Okay, I'm working away. I'm working away. Hey, Dad. Hey, have you surrendered your will to God's will? I was uh, supposed to pray about it. Yeah, you got to... <laughs> We've done that off stage. Okay. Point one. Okay. And if you check for planks, I don't know what they might be in this situation. We'll work through it, mate. Don't worry. Okay, okay. I'm working on it. Hey, Dad. Jono, yep. Uh, sorry, you, am I interrupting? Yes. Um, I just want to... I was wondering if I was able to go out by this... Hang on, I, you, maybe... I just told you you were interrupting. Yeah, I know. I'm going to clarify that, mate. <laughs> just accept the offers. Okay, Same. start Let's again. Start again. <laughs> cut, cut, cut. Jeez. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, okay. I'm working away. Uh, hey, Dad, are you, am I interrupting? Yes. Okay, um, I'd love to chat to you in a sec when you've got a moment. I just I want to go out. So um, is there a good time that I can okay, talk about so, that? So what you could say is, hey, that's good, that's good. Yeah, maybe in like three hours' time. Uh, three okay. hours. I'll be free in three hours. Okay, I, um, I was hoping to go out in three hours. Can we maybe talk in the next sort of half an hour or an hour? Okay, that's, that's excellent. Come back in half an hour. I'll just get this done, then we can have a okay, conversation. Great. Okay, SpongeBob cue card, half an hour later. Okay, very good. Yeah. Uh, we're back. Uh, hey, Dad. Um, yeah. So I was hoping, am I able to, um, to go out to the movies? It's, it's a three o'clock film. Is, is that okay? Uh, well, um, what did we say about your homework? Yeah, my, um, so I've only got like another five math questions to do. Okay. And they're not due until like the middle of the week. So I, I just thought I would ask, is it okay if I do them on Monday night? Because I'm not going to have much homework on Monday night. And I figured if I could just go out and um, hang out with my friends, I can, or I can even do it tomorrow morning. Why don't I wake up early on Sunday morning and I can finish it on Sunday morning? Is that all right? Uh, well, you know, you've tried that before and it hasn't worked. So we did agree that you couldn't go out to the movies and go out with your friends until you'd finished your homework. Is there a later show you could go to? So maybe like a six o'clock show, and I'd even drive you there to save some time, and you could do your maths before that. Okay, yeah. Are you able to drive me? Is that 
Is that okay? You're not. I'm not. No, it's just I just made that up. But you know, I, no, I can't drive you. Can you can you get a lift with someone else? <laughs> we were supposed to keep this healthy and. So, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. This is the healthy. Yeah, no, one. I'd love to drive you. There. Okay, I'd love thanks, to that, drive thanks. You. Yeah, uh, we can do that. So, how about I? Um, I'll go and finish that now, and then um, I'll come back in like three hours. I'll just message okay. everyone and say, "Can we Great. do a later one?" And will you? And you'll come in and show me your completed homework. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, go, yeah. And sure, then I'll sure, give you a lift. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's okay. awesome. All right, thanks, okay, Dad. Thanks, mate. Thanks. All right, bye. Woo! Yeah, well done, Jono. So uh, <laughs> it shouldn't be as clinical as that. That's my that's my issue. It feels yep. very clinical. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I hear you there, my friend. How about this option? Is what, there a way did, to do what that? What did you just say, Freya? <laughs> yeah, that is literally. Uh, that is literally. And I still won't let you have your way. That's right. I know. It's so so maybe that's me just being irritated by things that I shouldn't be. Yeah. Well, I think that that there's a whole different thing around parenting and setting boundaries as a parent. But I think. The, the purpose of this was to be a little staged and forced, yes. but it's to help you understand that actually when you work this process through, it actually is very powerful. And it's a, but it's a learned skill. So Christianity and living well for Jesus is not just about, oh, you come, you sit, you hear a bunch of ideas, and you go do nothing different. What I'm hoping this will do is give you and give each of us a, like a pattern and a way of actually relating and using our words. And we can do that in church. Now, we're out of time, but if we... Uh, if we had more time, we could uh, coach each other and all have a crack at saying this. But I would say to you, next time you've got something you want to negotiate with a family member or a friend or there's some conflict, let me tell you, just stop. Work through these 10 points. And by the way, I'll, I'll add an 11th one if you're negotiating with your parents or a boss at work. Whether you get your own way or not, what do you think the last thing should be that you say to your parent at the end of a conversation like this? Thank you so much for listening to me and for this conversation. Whether you get your, just show some respect. Like it will, it changes things, right? Like imagine if your family, like that, it's very, very different. Now, I, I, it sounds a little clinical because I, I mean, my family were terrible at this. I had to, I've had to learn this. You, you don't just, you're not born with the ability to actually manage your words and relate helpfully and healthily. So I hope you'll learn that and I hope we'll learn that. So let's pray. Our Lord Jesus. Uh, Thank you for uh, coming into our world full of grace and truth. And I pray for our church that you will make us a community of grace and truth. I pray for each of us here that you'll help us this week with our parents, with our children, with our teachers, with our friends, with our colleagues at work to speak words full of grace and truth. I pray, Lord, that you will... Uh, if there are people here this evening, or I guess all of us, who've been hurt by cruel, graceless, untrue words said about us, I pray even tonight you'll bring healing for those wounds. You'll break the power of curses that have been said over us, negative words that hold us captive, undermine who we are in Christ. And I pray that you will set in us a relentless drive to be women and men of grace and truth who love everyone and that that is seen in our words. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing one more song and then we're going to enjoy dinner together. So uh, come on down, band. It's also our offertory song, so this is an opportunity to give 
to the work of uh, God in the church. Let's worship together now. Thank mm-hmm. you. 